And thank you, Wes, for sharing your gifts of music with all. Let us pray. Wise and loving God, may the words of my mind and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you today and always. Amen. With summer now shifting into fall, we find ourselves in the middle of October and also in the middle of football season, so I thought I would begin with a football story. My wife and I, before arriving here at United Church, shared five years together in South Carolina. And once upon a time, I had the opportunity at a prayer breakfast to hear the now famous Clemson University football coach Dabo Swinney speak. And Dabo had such a southern accent, I thought I was going to need a translator. He was sharing with us various different football stories, including one about encouragement. For he and Sports Illustrated have documented that back in 2010, he was very nearly fired. He had just gotten off a 6-6 six and six season and had lost to bitter arch rival the University of South Carolina. And as he was coming down the tunnel into the coach's office, his wife Kathleen shared with him that athletic director Terry Phillips was waiting for him in his office. And so Dabo had a resignation thank you all mapped out uh, in his head. And Kathleen, his wife, was already tearful and began to cry. Dabo arrived in his office and Terry Phillips said, the athletic director, look Dabo, I know we are all getting roasted on social media. I know that today's game did not go well, but I just came into this office to tell you I am more confident in you as a football coach today than in the day that I hired you. And then Terry Phillips walked out of the office. And Dabo is quick to point out that one of the key reasons why he hung in there and won two national championships was because of that one word of encouragement that he received in November of 2010. Perhaps you too could share your own Dabo story, a time in your life when you received a word of encouragement from someone else that happened at just the right time. Perhaps you were grieving and you received a word of support. Or perhaps you were dealing with something troublesome and challenging and you received a word of, you can continue on, please press on. Or perhaps you were dealing with failure and someone said, I believe there is a better day coming. Or perhaps you were dealing with something that was so hard and you felt so alone, but somebody decided to speak to you a word that just helped you put one foot in front of the other. We all know that words of encouragement are such blessings in our lives, precisely because at times those words of encouragement come to us from God through conduits to other people, through other people, friends and family members who share back with us blessings that we really need in our lives at any given moment. The topic of encouragement is an important one throughout the scripture. 
We know that Jesus himself in John chapter 16 shared back with his disciples, I share with you these words in order to give you peace. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, encourage one another, build one another up. But long before Jesus offered his own encouraging words and long before Paul encouraged the first century church to be encouragers, Solomon, one of the wisest people said to ever live, who wrote the Song of Solomon, as well as the Proverbs, as well as the book of Ecclesiastes in our Old Testament, offered to us this bit of wisdom that Russ read just a moment ago about the words of encouragement that we speak to someone else and their significance. Simply put, a word aptly spoken, said Solomon, is like apples of gold in settings of silver. In studying this short but loaded proverb this week, I gleaned four different bits of wisdom about encouragement that I wanted to share with you. For encouragement is a way that God works in and through us to bless those in need. Four little bits of wisdom, and I'll start with something that's very obvious from this proverb, uh, but is worth funding out, pointing out, because at a fundamental level, part of what Solomon simply wants to say is that words of encouragement are valuable, hence the reference to gold and to silver. Not just valuable, but also desirous. If you consider, for example, apples in Scripture, we know, of course, in the garden, the apple was said to be a fruit of uh, Adam and Eve's desire. Uh, the psalmist writes in Psalm 17, uh, Lord, I want to be the apple of your desire. And Solomon himself, elsewhere in scripture, in the steamy book of uh, scripture, the Song of Solomon, that's PG-13, described a, a, a lover in that book of scripture and said that her breath smelled as sweet as apples. It's a desiring, valuable term here that Solomon wants to impart to those of us who will listen to his wisdom, that our words of encouragement are valuable and desiring. And from time to time, I don't know about you, but often I often discount the value of the words that I speak to other people and how valuable they can be. Remember a time uh, some months ago where I was visiting one of the assisted living facilities in uh, Naples and going to see a parishioner from here at the church. And many of those facilities now have uh, electronic name tags when you check into the front desk that will print out with a little picture of you. And they had some data on me uh, being a minister of a church on Marco Island and the name tag just printed out Dr. Mark Williams. So I got in the elevator. And there in the elevator was some nursing staff and whatnot, and they began to look at my name tag and started to make some small talk. And they said, Dr. Williams, what kind of doctor are you? We've never seen you here. And I just kind of smiled and I said, well, I'm not really the kind of doctor that can help anybody. <laughs> and then I thought about that a little while later, and I wish I could have retracted that statement. Because really and truly, uh, doctors have stethoscopes, builders have uh, tools, carpenters have tape measures, but I think what ministers have is words. And it is what all we who follow Jesus have. 
these words that are very valuable to offer to someone else. I think that's the first bit of wisdom that I learned from this proverb. Faithful encouragement realizes that words that are spoken are valuable. Second bit of encouragement that I hear from this scripture is that a faithful word of encouragement must press another person on in their journey. You might consider a word of encouragement spoken to someone else as an energy break. Experts will share back with you that there has been an age-old debate over which is more energizing, one cup of coffee or eating one apple. Some research will tell you that at 2.30 in the afternoon, the best thing to eat is an apple. Why? Because it gets your day going. Secular writers on the power of encouragement will often point out that when you think about encouragement, you ought to think about the image of a lily pad. Someone is trying to go from point A to point B, and you can't get someone all the way to point B, but what you can give them is a lily pad, just for a moment, so that they can, in fact, get there. And a word of encouragement does push another person along. Recall one of the great encouragers of all time in the business world uh, when you consider a Weight Watchers International. Uh, Gene Nittich, who uh, is the uh, champion of Weight Watchers and founded it some 28 years ago now, uh, on the premise of encouragement, uh, shares how she first got into it. She was 214 pounds, was a stay-at-home mother, and was overweight, and decided to get some friends together in her apartment uh, in New York City to help them to, to lose weight. And she said she would encourage them and meet together with them and hold them accountable and was often successful. But she said she really didn't think about what strategy she was going to take. She just remembered back to her childhood when her mother used to bring her as a teenager to the local park. And she said when she went to the local park, uh, her mother would, would be there with her, and then she would notice that many of the young mothers would just congregate off in the corner socializing, and their children would be on the swings. And so as a teenager, she would just push the children. And she said over time, the children would learn how to pump and then eventually to swing themselves. And she said, that is always how I envisioned Weight Watchers. It would be me pushing and pushing and pushing. And that is what a faithful word of encouragement does. It's not only valuable, but it pushes someone to move forth toward that destination. Then a third bit of wisdom that I learned uh, from this proverb is that faithful encouragement requires double vision. This is very interesting. Scholars note that when uh, Solomon wrote this book of scripture, which was a very, very, very long time ago, the image that they think that Solomon had in mind was the image of a grocery store basket in someone shopping at a local outdoor market. And so the basket that Solomon had in mind was this silver basket, much like the ones that I showed the children. And uh, the apple would then be, or any kind of produce, would be put into that basket. So the word picture that Solomon is creating for us here is, this is a person, perhaps, who is empty, a person who is of a, of a metallic quality, perhaps, that is not at gold level yet, and our job as encouragers is to take something rich, 
a word, a golden apple, and to literally put it into their lives. To have double vision. You see a person who is empty and not with gold, but to take that which is gold and to literally put it into their lives. Reverend Martin Luther King uh, had a different term for it. He called it double vision. He said, we must see more in other people than they see in themselves at any given moment to help them become who God is calling them to be. Wise teachers know the truth of this. Coaches know the truth of this. Parents and grandparents know the truth of this. That whenever you look at a person, you see not just who they are in the moment, but how might my word of encouragement bring a little bit of gold into their silver situation? Or to explain it another way, I know we have some parents uh, here in the church this morning, and I don't know about you parents, but from time to time here on Marco Island, there will be older retirees who come down from up north, and they decide in an unfiltered way to give you parenting advice. Well, I remember one day I was in Publix, and I was uh, uh, with, with my daughter, and we were going down a, a certain aisle, and I was sharing with her what she should and shouldn't be doing, and a woman came uh, right to the cart, and she had a thick New York accent, and she just gave me her advice. She said, young man, I'll tell you this, children never become who you nag them to be, but they will always become who you encourage them to be. And she was exactly right. That's that apple of gold that comes into a setting of silver that sees more in a person than they can see in themselves at any given moment. Uh, Edward Steichen, one of the greatest photographers of all time, whose name is often synonymous with the New York Museum of Art, tells the story about when he was 14 years old and he got started in photography and when he took his first 50 pictures. He said the first 50 pictures he took really were not very good. 49 of them were quite bad. But his mother pointed out that there was one picture that he took of his sister on a piano bench that she thought was quite good. Well, when the pictures were developed and he and mom were going through the pictures, uh, she was sharing with them, ah, this isn't quite right, this isn't quite right, but began to focus on that one picture and said, I think if you can do more pictures like this, Edward, you will be a good photographer. And Steichen looks back at that moment and credits his mom for amongst 50 pictures, 49 failures, she was able to see with double vision the one that indeed worked. That's an apple of gold that is spoken into a setting of silver. Words of encouragement are valuable. Words of encouragement push people on in their journey. Words of encouragement always see a double future in the life of the one to whom they are spoken. And then fourth and finally, and perhaps most importantly, words of encouragement are powerful when they are timely. For that word aptly in Proverbs 25, 11 seems to be a key word for Solomon. For when it comes to encouragement, and you all know this, having received encouragement at possibly the best, likeliest of times, that encouragement is always strongest when it is spoken at just the right time, with the right timing. 
Many of us a few days ago uh, watched as the Washington Nationals upset the Dodgers in the uh, first round of the divisional playoffs. And in watching that game, I was uh, reminded of a great encouragement story from the uh, Dodgers uh, over the years, the story of Jackie Robinson and Pee Wee Reese. Remember that? Back in the 1940s, the Dodgers were playing a game uh, in Cincinnati. And Pee Wee Reese, who was white, was from Louisville, was from the South. And Jackie Robinson, of course, was the first African-American baseball player to really cross over that uh, color barrier. And uh, the, the fans there in Cincinnati were rather rude and were shouting some really nasty things at Jackie Robinson. And there was a moment during a pitching change where Pee Wee Reese just went over to Jackie Robinson and gave him a, hey, hang in there, man. And after the game, the reporters asked Pee Wee Reese, were, were you planning to do that that day? I mean, was it part of a strategy? Did you all come up with this as your way to communicate a big message? And he said, no. You know, just something spoke to me in my conscience at that moment that I was supposed to speak up. Heard some kind of inner voice that it was supposed to be him to offer a word of encouragement at a very timely moment. What time might it be in the life of that person who could use a blessing from God through you? I'll close with a final story of encouragement. It comes from a book on Christian leadership by Peter Mance. Peter Mance uh, tells the story of a school principal who was having some issues with conduct uh, amongst her lower school students. And she decided as a way of uh, blessing and uh, being kind to students who had good conduct all semester long that she would send out a written letter by her, the principal, home to the parents to encourage all of the students who had had good conduct for the entire semester. She typed out her letter on a typewriter and handed it to her secretary there in the school office. But her secretary, unfortunately, got the list of all the students whose conduct was perfect over the semester, confused with the list of students whose conflict was so bad they were on a list for reform school. And she sent out 22 letters to the parents of these students complimenting them on their behavior. Well, I bet you can guess what happened. Peter Mann said that 21 out of those 22 students the next semester improved their conduct. For it was the first time in their lives they had ever been encouraged. And the encouragement came at just the right time. Who do you know in your life who stands to be blessed? A friend, a family member, a child, a grandchild, someone else. And how might your word spoken be a valuable, valuable nature to them? A word aptly spoken, said Solomon, is like apples of gold in settings of silver. You find yourself in upcoming days navigating a pitching change and wondering if it's supposed to be you to say that word. Simply respond, here I am, Lord, here I am.